Hey folks, welcome to another edition of Dog Walk Talk presented to you by Dogs HQ. As always, I'm your host, Jake Roos, and with me as always, team beat rider over at Dogs HQ. That's Palmer Toms. PT, let's go with you, brother. Just getting through Charleston Southern Week. It's a little bit slower week here in Athens. Uh, you know, this week and next week, obviously next week with it being the holidays. We'll be limited on media, uh, won't have it next Wednesday. They'll consolidate to Monday and Tuesday as we head into Georgia Tech. Uh, but, you know, I, I guess let's rest up while we can because it looks like Georgia's going to be playing some very significant football here down the stretch uh, in the SEC Championship and beyond. Look at Palmer already looking ahead, not, not giving the, the Buccaneers the respect they deserve perhaps uh, when it comes to this weekend. No, listen, I, I think everybody – uh, pretty much knows what's going to happen here uh, or has a good feel for what's going to happen here. I think that you're going to be seeing a lot of second and third string guys in this game. I think you're going to be seeing probably guys who you haven't seen all year uh, getting maybe their first action of the year in this one against Charleston Southern. Um, did this one, I don't think this one ever came back on the books, did it for, for uh, Vegas? Nope. I mean, it's, nope. hey, this one's not even bettable. It's the spread is the spread is unknown, uh, you know, so it's, I I think uh, last week, uh, Alabama and New Mexico State was like a 51-point spread. There you go. And uh, so this one would be more than that with this being an FCS team that is below 500 going on the road to play the number one team in the country. Uh, yeah. Certainly think that Georgia is going to run away with this one. Um, if, if not, we've got plenty to talk about you all. <laughs> Uh, on on Sunday um, but yeah like you said I think we're going to be seeing a lot of younger guys um, which is great for Georgia I mean you know you look at you know without looking too far ahead um, you know over these next two games you've got two noon kickoffs Alabama who you're likely going to be playing in the SEC championship game is probably having two 330 kickoffs if not later for that Auburn one um, I, I guess that already did get announced 330 kickoff for that yeah. so they've got Two, you know, two straight games, two physical games against SEC West opponents that, you know, would love nothing more than to beat Alabama. Sure. Um, sure. You know, playing on the road against Auburn. It's not it's not an easy stretch there for Alabama as as they close things out, uh, to close out their SEC schedule. Georgia did that last week against Tennessee and did so well. Um, so, you know, if you're Kirby Smart and company, you've got to be pretty pretty happy with the way that this is turning out that, uh, you know, you're likely going to have two weeks of, uh, you know, potential blowout type games where you can get your guys in, get them, get them, you know, get ahead and get out, uh, you know, get some reps for some guys that, you know, have, have put in a lot of hard work throughout the season. Um, you know, and I, I know, you know, guys that we don't talk about, uh, you know, may not come to mind for Georgia fans, but that doesn't mean that they're not important to what this team is doing. Um, you know, the, the, the scout team, uh, you know, guys, the freshmen, you know, some some that fans knew coming in, uh, some that fans are are getting to know more about, um, you know, walk on guys, th things like that. Um, there's there's a lot more that goes into a football team than the, you know, 30, 40, 50 guys that play each and every Saturday. Uh, and so, you know, this is their opportunity. You know, I, I said it earlier this week in our three questions addressing the 
question of uh, who's going to play, you know, this is an opportunity for some of those young guys to get some reps with the bullets uh, flying, whether that's Nylon Green, Brock Vandegrift, uh, Marius Mims. Uh, you know, he, he's obviously played in more games than, than the red shirt amount, but some of these guys that, that aren't going to be uh, burning a year of eligibility, Xavier Sori is another one, uh, you know, and, and there's certainly going to be a lot of reps out there for him. Could be somebody that, that if he plays well in this game, maybe he earns some reps down the stretch against Tech or against Alabama or whoever um, Georgia plays in the postseason. But, you know, th- this is an opportunity for some of those young guys. But then this day is also about this senior class, uh, you know, a class that is going to finish their careers among the winningest in Georgia uh, program history. Um, you know, obviously the COVID season limited them to eight wins in 2020 uh, when they probably would have picked up several more than that. Um, you know, would probably would have picked up one against Vanderbilt in, in that regular season, even with that COVID season. Um, and so, you know, this is a, this is a senior class that's worth celebrating has won three SEC, cha- three SEC East titles played for the SEC championship twice already. And we'll do so again on December 4th. Uh, and, 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 you know, there's, there's a lot left on the table for this Georgia team. Um, you know, a, a lot that they've been building to, um, you know, I, I said it, they, they came in number one as, as the number one recruiting class in the country and, and they'd like to go out number one team in the country. So, so Saturday is certainly going to be a day worth celebrating this senior class. And, and some of these guys that, again, you know, Kirby said today that there's going to be 30, 40 guys walking, um, doesn't mean that every one of them is leaving. Uh, you know, there's there's guys that, that will be honored that have, your, you know, eligibility left. Stetson Bennett's one there. Sure, um, sure. You know, guys that have eligibility left. Are, you know, I imagine still, I imagine Lewis Seen will probably be taking part in the, the festivity. Well, so he's he's a different scenario because he's just a junior. So right. no, no, no. But I, I, I mean. I wonder if he'll get the opportunity to be out. No, I mean, Kirby, Kirby, Kirby said on Monday that they are limiting it. You know, a third year junior uh, who, who likely can leave isn't going to have the opportunity. Okay. This is this is saved for just these guys that have been, you know, spent four years of college football, whether that's a redshirt junior, uh, you know, somebody that transferred in. So somebody that could have the opportunity would be JT Daniels. Um, you know, having played, you know, two seasons at or spent two seasons at USC, two seasons here at Georgia. Obviously, he's got a lot more eligibility left, but those fourth year and, and up guys, um, you know, fourth, fifth, and even sixth year in the case of Julian Rochester, um, those guys are going to get the opportunity to be honored. And 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 like I was going to say is this is an opportunity for some of those guys that maybe have slipped down the depth chart as, as they uh, you know, as, as their careers have gone along uh, as Kirby has recruited over them uh, an opportunity for some of them to get in the games. Um, you know, William Poole is a guy that comes to mind Rochester, like I just mentioned uh, you know, those are two guys in that senior class that as along with several walk-ons, I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys that, that have the opportunity um, that, you know, Kirby is going to want to get out there at least for a play or two, um, just so that they can say that they suited up and, and got to see the field at Sanford stadium in their, in their college careers.
Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm. I was chuckling a little bit thinking about you. You said you know they, these guys came in number one and they want to leave number one. Dude, Julie Rochester was here well before number one. <laughs> it was Julie Rochester predates the Reagan administration. So uh, <laughs> really, uh, really uh, a well deserved honor for him and and all of those guys. Like you said, um, you know it's hard for me to believe that it's uh, it's even possible that Senior Day could be here. Um, and uh, you know you you talk about guys like Jordan Davis and William Poole. And, um, you know, man, I, it feels like you're white, James Cook yeah, feels like just yesterday. I was I was just covering those guys um, in their high school careers. Um, so so time marches on, I guess. But, uh, you know, a, exciting opportunity for them this weekend uh, to get in, see some action. And like you said, you know, hopefully everything goes to plan. Uh, the big thing I think over the next two games is maintain health, uh, keep your starters healthy, uh, get your lead and get them packed up and get them ready for that SEC championship. Cause uh, you've got, that, that's gotta be the big concern right now. I mean, that's, you should be able to handle business. If you're not able to handle business in these games, you probably don't deserve to be in the college football playoff. So at any rate, um, Charleston Southern, like I said, and like we were saying, it not shouldn't be much of a contest. Uh, it, they're probably gonna George's probably gonna hurt some feelings. Probably going to you know send those boys home crying and uh, weeping into the shrimp and grits. So as an opportunity here, uh, since there's not too much to talk about in the way of this game, uh, we opened up the old mailbag over on the dog walk at Dogs HQ. Uh, that's the message board over there. Uh, got a great community going, and if you haven't checked this out, please come over and do so. Uh, it's still a buck just to uh, kind of come give us a run. And um, uh, So we opened up the mailbag this week. And uh, got some pretty good questions. I thought those uh, those folks over there kind of know what they're doing. I guess they uh, would smarter than the average message board poster, one might say. Uh, Palmer, I'm going to let you handle the duties when it comes to selecting the uh, the names out of the hat, man, as it were. So uh, so so take us away with the mailbag this week. Yeah, like you said, a lot of really good questions here, and and this is something I hope we'll do again uh, here before too long. Maybe maybe during that you know, time period of, of between the SEC championship and, and a bowl game when there's a lot of time to kill there. Uh, no, you all are going to be looking for something to listen to during that time and, and lead up into, you know, some postseason football. Um, but we'll get started here with this question um, from BBC Dog says, what will the Nolan Smith injury do to our starting lineup? Heard he should be fine long-term, but how do you see it affecting us against Charleston Southern and Georgia Tech? I assume he won't play much, if at all. So do we see Beal and Sherman at the same time or even some give some reps to Sori? Yeah, I, I, I that is a good question. Um, I don't I you know, I think Nolan. I think Kirby is going to give a little bit of respect to Charleston Southern and, and march out the first team, you know, a couple of times at least, you know, to to for appearances sake. Right. And so I, I think, I mean, he said as much, you know, Nolan should be fine. Uh, it's not going to be some sort of lingering injury for him. Um, but it's not a necessity to see him a lot on Saturday. And uh, quite frankly, you probably won't need him very much against Georgia Tech either. So, um, you know, I think that this is a great opportunity to see what you have in a guy like Xavier and Sori. Um, you know, MJ Sherman is a guy who has 
you know, played a little bit more as this season has gone along, but I still don't know that you feel like you have a great idea of who he is and how he fits into this uh, team, um, you know, going into year two with the program, almost at the end of year two for him. So I think that this is a good opportunity to get both of those guys in. Um, you know, I think uh, Sorry, especially is a guy that I'm excited to see because, I mean, that was he was one of the most highly ranked guys in the in the nation last year. Um, and the fact that he hasn't seen the field more has been a, one of the big surprises to me of this season uh, when you're talking about this freshman class. But uh, clearly they have their reasons and they, they have their uh, their their rhyme for doing what they do. Um, I hope we get to see both um, and uh, Robert Beal as well. And, um, you know, I think that those guys will be able to uh, take care of business also. Yeah, my take on it is that you'll probably see Nolan Smith suit up, but my guess is he doesn't play. Um, you know, just coming off of an injury scare against Tennessee, knowing that, you know, and my guess is you will see him play against Georgia Tech, but you probably won't see him this Saturday against Charleston Southern. Yeah. Um, with a little bit more respect and, and, and knowing that Tech has, you know, a power five football roster, uh, you know, I, I do expect that he will play against Tech, especially if if he doesn't play against Charleston Southern. You're going to want to get him back in, in you know, game reps. Um, you know, I think that's the case for a lot of guys that have been banged up here recently. Um, you know, we, we spoke with Kirby and he mentioned Kendall Milton as somebody that might come, you know, that, that is t- doubtful for this week, but that they uh, are hopeful to get back for Tech, uh, that that was kind of the timeline they had circled there. Uh, so look for that next week against Georgia Tech. Uh, George Pickens, potentially. I know there's a question in here later about that. Uh, Dominic Blaylock made the trip to Knoxville. I totally expect is, as, as long as he's healthy uh, and, and he's been battling the flu. So, you know, his health isn't as much as what we have been talking about with the knee or the hamstring. His is now just, you know, getting over the flu, which ha- has been going through campus in Athens uh, like crazy. Um, but, but I, if, if he's healthy and able to go, I would expect him to get in the game, which would be the first time since the 2019 SEC championship game. Um, but going back to like what we were saying about Sherman and, and Sorry and Beal, I think this is a great opportunity to see what you've got in this outside linebacker room. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead to another question, but it's on the same topic. Um, you know, it says, I wonder if MJ Sherman, this one's from Big Bone Dog. I wonder if MJ Sherman is behind in his development with Adam Anderson out. I thought we may see him some, uh, but we've seen Chambliss and Jamon Dumas Johnson more, which has intrigued me. So, you know, I, I, I agree with that statement. Um, I, I've, I thought we would see Sherman and Sori more. Um, Sori has been working some this season at both inside and outside linebacker. Uh, he's played in two games so far. I believe it was uh uab and missouri he got in those two so assuming that he plays against charleston southern you'll have one more game that you could play him in would guess you probably do that against georgia tech since he has made the travel uh roster most of the time this season um so I, I think that these last two games are a great opportunity to see what you've gotten sorry to develop Robert Beal and get him, you know, not that he needs more development, but that he needs to get comfortable as being the number two guy um, behind Nolan Smith. Obviously you've got other pass rush options. Channing Tindall showed out on Saturday against Tennessee with three sacks. Quay Walker is capable of playing in space. So you've got guys that are capable of filling in those shoes um, you know, whether it's for an injured Smith or, or you know, a suspended Adam Anderson, um, 
So, so I think that you've got a great opportunity to in these next couple of games, not only to develop guys for the future, but to develop guys that, that are going to have to you know st- step into bigger roles here. Um, sh- like you said, Sherman, I, I, I think that he's an interesting case uh, as well as Sori. Yeah, no, I, I agree with all that. I think that, um, you know, I, I think that really it's a, a testament to Chaz Chambliss more than it is a knock on on MJ Sherman. And, and I will say, you know, if there's if there's maybe a knock on MJ's game, I do think he's perhaps a little stiffer than than some of these guys that we've seen rushing the passer for Georgia, some of that bend we've seen. Um, I, that's something that you can, for the large part, work out, um, but it's tough to do that in the middle of the season. So, um, you know, I think that he's a guy who still got some development, still got some time to go. And, um, you know, Chaz is a guy who I think really came in and impressed people uh, kind of early on with his performance, um, you know, up, up on arrival to campus. Um, you know, I don't know that anyone had him circled as, you know, a, a potential, you know, breakout freshman. I'm not saying that he's, he's kind of setting the tone or anything like that, but he's probably seen a little bit more action than I expected in year one from him. And um, that's a great sign for Georgia. I think that uh, that's, that's huge news for them. So um, uh, like I said, to me, it's more of a, what Chaz has done versus what MJ has. done. Yeah. Yeah. And while we're on the topic of outside linebackers, edge rushers, um, I'm going to hit you with a recruiting question here. It's directed to me, but definitely should be directed to you, Jake. Uh, it says, Palmer, what is the latest on Pierce out of North Carolina? That is James Pierce. Uh, I could care less about rankings. He and Smith, Darius Smith, from Applin County are just nasty. Adam Anderson slash Leonard Floyd types. Uh, both are tall, long, fast with bend. Where does UGA sit with Pierce? Let someone else have White and Jones Jr., UGA takes Smith and Pierce. Let's revisit this in three years. Them boys can ball. <laughs> I like the verbatim reading. That was nice, Palmer. Um, yeah, James Pierce, a guy that has not gotten talked about a lot in this class. And I think that's for pretty good reason because the kid's just an enigma, man. I mean, he's a, he's a hard dude to track down. Um, so going to be interesting to see, I guess, what happens with James Pierce moving forward. I will say this. I think there is a possibility. Now, I'm not saying that this is a lock, but I think there is a possibility he's in town for this game against Charleston Southern, and that would be big news for Georgia. I think Georgia is squarely among the mix when you're talking about his top schools, Um, but really – I got to tell you, that's a lot of hearsay. That's that's me going to sources uh, because I've tried to, as many times as I've tried to reach out to the kid, I just haven't heard back from him. So, um, you know, my sources tell me that Georgia's sitting in a good spot for the kid. Georgia really likes the kid. Um, and, you know, uh, the the upside's there. So I agree with his assessment. I think that, uh, you know, you get a guy like Darius Smith. If you didn't get a chance to go check out our story on Darius Smith uh, with uh, his coach uh, last week, go over and check that out because he had some big things to say about him, uh, some pretty flattering comparisons. But, but James Pierce, kind of a, a similar dude and uh, a guy that Georgia would love to bring into this class. I think it's going to be all about numbers. Uh, when it comes to this 2022 class. And um, Georgia's still figuring that out, to be quite frank with you. I think that everybody in college football is still working those numbers out ahead of early signing day and just trying to see, hey, what can we make work? Because you've got COVID exemptions. You've got transfer portal exemptions. You've got 
some wiggle room that you haven't previously had. You got some, some spots that you can probably push this thing beyond 25. And um, I think that uh, if they can do that, they certainly want to do that. But um, yeah, you know, a guy like Pierce, I, I think he's a first run option for Georgia. I think that he's a guy they would love to have in this class. And I'm certainly not writing off the possibility that he's a bulldog at the end. You said it all there. I don't have much to add. So let's go on to the next question where I do think I can add something um, back on the team side of things and switching over to the offensive side of the ball. This one says, what do you guys think is our best offensive line group going forward? I know some guys had the flu against Tennessee along with others, other injuries, but do you think Jones has played good enough to justify bumping Salier inside? And do you think trust is close to unseating Erickson in the starting lineup? Uh, hopefully these next two games give us plenty of situations to play with some things. Uh, another question as well up here, say asking, will trust be starting this week? So we're going to combine those two into offensive line conversation. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and talk here um, on the uh, offensive line. I do think uh, that this is an opportunity to, I, I, I think that this Jamari Salyer injury and, and the, the struggles that Georgia has had on the interior of the offensive line is an opportunity to, you know, groom Broderick Jones to play left tackle. Like we've said all along, I think that he is going to be Georgia's left tackle for the future here. Uh, you know, after, you know, Jamari Salyer is gone. And so, you know, with, with the opportunities that he's had to start and play, you know, two and a half games now starting against Missouri, starting against Tennessee, playing the full game in both of those, as well as coming in in relief against Auburn uh, for over half the game, uh, you know, that he should be ready to play. Uh, and Kirby has said that all along, that they felt very confident in his ability to play. Um, I, I don't know exactly whether this is a situation where you're going to bump Jamari Salyer inside just because they felt Jamari Salyer was playing better at offensive tackle than he was at guard. And, and so to me, I think it comes down to Jamari is going to be in this lineup. He's a senior. He's the best offensive lineman Georgia has and one of the best offensive prospects that the dogs have. So it's just a matter of where do you want him? Where does he best fit? And so I think once you figure that out, you're, you, you know he's going to be in there. So you're essentially looking at do you think Roderick Jones is a better left tackle than Warren Erickson or Xavier Truss is at right guard? And if you think that he's a better left tackle than they are guards, then you put Salyer at guard where he can help you out there knowing that you've got somebody that you feel confident in at tackle. If you like them at guard, well, then you play Salyer at tackle, and that's what they've done all season. So I will say I saw a photo from practice earlier this week that had Justin Schaefer practicing next to Jamari Salyer. That would indicate that Salyer's back at left tackle and that Schaefer is obviously still at left guard where he's been. Uh, but, but I do think that this is an opportunity, uh, you know, similarly to Nolan Smith uh, coming off of an injury. If Jamari Salyer does play against Charleston Southern, it's going to be limited. And it's an opportunity to get, you know, if, if, if he's at left tackle, well, then you, you've, you've got to figure out right guard. And, and to me, I think that that is Xavier Trust. I think he came in and helped Georgia there. Um, you know, I, I think that he's a much bigger guy than, than Warren Erickson. Uh, and, and, you know, you would rather have that size inside if you're going to try and run the ball uh, like Georgia wants to. So to me, I think that he fits better at guard than Warren Erickson. Um, and this all goes back to what we were talking about, talked about it some on Sunday, but 
the injury to Tate Ratledge has has proven to be very big. Uh, there's a reason that that Warren wasn't your starting right first option at right guard in that Clemson game, and 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 to me, I don't think it was his hand. Uh, you know, I, I think that. He, he he they proved that he was fully capable of coming in and playing right guard uh when when Ratledge went down. And so, you know, Erickson has been that option at right guard throughout this season, but Truss has worked there in practice. Uh and when he when Erickson wasn't performing, Truss came in and did so. So I think that if Salier is gonna play left tackle, which all signs point towards yes. Do I agree with that? Not really. I would, I'd probably lean towards Broderick Jones over whoever you've got at right guard. Uh, but, but because of the experience factor there with, with Truss or Erickson, I think that Kirby and, and knowing that Salier was playing better at left tackle than he was at guard, I think that they're going to try and put him at a position that he is playing very well at. So I think that this starting lineup, if I had to project the starting lineup for Saturday, it's probably going to be Salier at left tackle, Truss at right guard, along with uh, left guard, Justin Schaefer, center, um, Cedric Van Pran, and right tackle, Warren McClendon. But I absolutely do think that you will see rotation there where, where you see Warren Erickson in at right guard, where you see Broderick Jones in at left tackle, and, and, and where you see other guys along this offensive line. Um, but right for, for now, I think that the best five offensive linemen, to me, Again, to me, I think it would be Broderick Jones, Justin Schaefer, Cedric Van Pran, Jamari Salyer, and, and, and even if you wanted to put Salyer on the left side and bump Schaefer over to the right, along with Warren McClendon at right tackle, to me, that's the best five, but I think that Kirby is probably going to go with what he thinks the best five is. Uh, I'm sure he doesn't care what I think the best five is, uh, and, and, and with them feeling like that Salier's playing better at left tackle. I think that they're probably going to go with Salier at tackle and one of those other options at guard. I don't know what gives you the impression that he wouldn't care very much about your opinion, Palmer. That that you're too hard on yourself. Uh, the only thing that gives me any pause about this is to me, it feels like you're in a situation. It feels like you're right back where you were when the year started. Um, when you're talking about the SEC championship and everything beyond that, um, because that left tackle position is just so crucial. And Jamari is the guy that they've leaned on. He's clearly the guy they trust to hold that spot down. Uh, Broderick, I think, has done a very good job. And like you said, I think that it really comes down to how much do they trust him to, to, to hold it down there? I think he is the guy for the future. But in the immediate, is he the guy that you want anchoring that side, knowing what you're probably going to be facing moving forward? Um, so that's my only pause. I, otherwise I agree with everything you said. I think that that's the lineup that makes the most sense, certainly. Um, but that's the only thing that would cause me to stop and think for a second is, you know, do they think Jamari is, you know, Hey, should we, should we go ahead and just take, get the, get, get all we can out of him while he's still here and, 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 you know, roll with him down this stretch because, uh, the pass rush is about to get a lot more serious once you get past Georgia Tech. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and another thing that I think about a little bit is with the time between the SEC championship and whatever bowl game Georgia is in, there, there is an opportunity to groom, you know, Broderick Jones, continue to groom yes. Broderick Jones yeah. to play yeah. left tackle so that if you needed to make a change at guard, you could in game bump Jamari Salyer into guard and put 
uh, Jones in at tackle. Now they've had plenty of time all season to, to groom him to be a left tackle. Um, and, and I think that they've done that to a certain extent, uh, but it would be certainly be interesting to see if maybe, you know, that extra time is, is what they feel like they need to, you know, push him over the edge. To me, I feel like what pushes him over the edge is the experience that he's gotten in these two and a half games recently yeah. uh, over the last month now. Um, but, you know, at the same time, you know, th- it, it certainly would be interesting to see if they'd be willing to make that move in game. I agree. I agree. And and you, you're in a bet. I think you're in a better spot this week than you were going into last week because of the play of Xavier trust when he got in. I think that that was kind of a godsend for you um, because he was able to do it against a pass rush that was quite frankly, giving you some problems at the time that he stepped in, he was able to switch that up pretty quickly. Uh, that's a good sign moving forward. So I, I think that, um, yeah, uh, I, I I'm with you. I think that, uh, I think that, you roll with what you got and, um, you know, uh, slide Jamari in if you can. But uh, like I said, I, I can see that 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 thing in the back of Kirby's mind being like, you know, we've rolled with Jamari thus far to left tackle. Should, should we just hold him there when it comes to these games beyond Charleston Southern and Georgia Tech? Yeah, yeah. Uh, here's a quick one here that we'll hit, um, you know, very quickly. Can we get a list of all the guys that went out with injuries and how are they now, uh, along with the regular obligatory question of does George Pickens suit up soon? Uh, Kirby was asked this again uh, uh, several times, um, you know, on this throughout this week. He gave an update on George Pickens last week, said that he was r- working with the scout team. This week they've worked a lot of good on good, and he has gotten some reps against that number one defense. Uh, certainly interested to see if this is the week, if next week is the week that he could make that return. Um, well, we're running out of weeks. I you're, mean, you're, you're running out of weeks because I because and, and this was something that he addressed was you know and he was asked you know straight up here was hey how how important is it when you're bringing a guy back from an injury how important is it that they play in game before you know that they play in a game before the sec championship before you're throwing them out there you know are are you do you have to play against charleston southern or georgia tech to play against alabama uh or or in the playoffs or whatever and and he wouldn't go as far as saying that i i I did feel like what he said was reps are important and and in-game reps are invaluable there um so I, I, to me, it, it feels like, you know, whether we're talking about George Pickens or Dominic Blaylock or, or uh, Kendall Milton, you know, got these guys that are coming off of injury, uh, you know, certainly f- feels like the, like you said, there's, we're running out of weeks here and, and that they're going to have to get in the game against one of these two, you know, for, for all, but lack of, you know, lack of better words here, lesser opponents, uh, and, and, you know, t- that they're going to have to get in the game and get some in-game reps before you feel comfortable throwing them out there in, in, into the fire against Alabama. I mean, you know, th- the, to me, that's not what you want to do at all. And, and I guess it's different with, with those three guys, especially Pickens and especially Milton, because they've had reps, uh, you know, I mean, to me, I think you can you could throw Kendall Milton in there against Alabama and he'd be yes. fine because he's missed, what, three, four games now. Yeah. George, you know, again, because of the playmaker that he is and because of the two years of experience that he has in this, you know, at Georgia, one in this offense, I feel like you might throw him out there, even if it is just as a decoy. To me, Dominic Blaylock 
is a guy that does have to play in a game before you feel comfortable throwing him out there because you've never seen him play in a game, you know, with the bullets flying in this Todd Munkin offense. So, and, and, and Blaylock is healthy. Blaylock is, is fully capable of playing. And I think that he will play again this week. If, if he can, uh, you know, overcome that flu bug that he's been battling, uh, you know, I, I think that he will play and, and that he could be a guy that down the stretch, if, if George is in need of, you know, some yardage that, that they could end up going to him. It's certainly going to be interesting to see how they use him, whether that he get, just gets thrown right back into that mold that he was in 2019 or whether they feel like he's got to earn his, you know, targets in this offense with with guys like Jermaine Burton and A.D. Mitchell and Lad McConkey and, and the list goes on and on and on. Brock Bowers, you know, those guys, um, you know, whether they have you know, earned the reps in, in, in a big game against Alabama versus what, uh, what Blaylock was able to do and, and is capable of doing. Well, quite frankly, I think that the big concern with both of those guys, George and Dominic, is you don't know how these injuries have affected them as in who they are. Um, you know, these are, those are huge injuries. Those are big injuries. Dominic's layoff has been super significant. Um, you know, George, you know, you've you've seen guys miss a season and come back and and be back up to speed. Dominic has been out of this for a long time now, and so you know, is he the same player that he was prior to injury? I don't know. That's that's a tough question to answer. Um, George, I feel like exactly what you said, and that was the thing that I was going to say. I don't think he has to play in any of the the next two games. If George Pickens walks out on that field in the SEC championship, they're going to have to respect his presence. They're going to have to have somebody. It's not like you can leave him uncovered and just let him do his thing over there. So, um, you know, I think that with Dominic, that's the big question for me is, is he the same player? I don't know that. I don't know that. We'll, I don't think we can know that until he gets out there and does it while the, the whistles are, are blowing. So, um, you know, I, I know everybody's excited to see those guys and wants them back and, and, um, you know, we certainly want to see him as well. But um, for me, those are the concerns when you're talking about this moving forward is, you know, who are these guys now removed from those injuries? And, um, you know, I, I think, like I said, much bigger question for me when it comes to Dominic than it is George Pickens. Yeah. And, and just a quick rundown on, on guys that have been banged up this season. You've got the season ending injuries to Tate Ratledge, uh, Ryan Davis, Tresman Marshall, Tyke Smith, Arian Smith, um, Jalen Kimber, those those are the ones that come to mind. Let me know if I'm missing one there, uh, but think that those are the season-ending injuries. Uh, you've got Kendall Milton coming off of an injury, uh, a, a knee injury that he suffered a couple weeks ago. I believe it was prior to the Kentucky game, maybe Florida. Um, you've, you've got Jamari coming off of that foot injury that he dressed out for Dominic Blaylock again, and, and as well as George Pickens, both those guys are coming off of ACL injuries that they haven't played since then. Uh, Dom been battling a, a hamstring issue. Um, and, and, and then as far as the guys that went down on Saturday, Kirby said they were all fine. Devonte Wyatt, you know, we spoke with him yesterday, Jordan Davis, we spoke with him on Monday uh, Robert Beal is a guy that, that was back in the game. Um, Nolan Smith is really the only one to monitor there. Uh, and, and, and like Kirby said, he, he should be fine. A um, couple more questions here um, before we really wrap things up. Um, quick one here. Uh, this one from Chuck Nasty says, who gets more touches in the ICC title game, Cook or White? 
Ooh, um, I've got a quick answer there, and it's four letters. James Cook. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I, you could have you could have gone with Zeus. That would have also fit four letters. But, um, <laughs> but um, you know, I don't know. I, I think that I think it's it's dictated more by how the game plays itself out, and I think that that's really what you got to take into account. If Georgia wants to grind it out, I think that the Zamir White's your guy. Um, you know, if you've got to get in and just pound guys and enforce your will, Samir's that guy. He's your enforcer. He's your between the tackles runner. But if you've got the opportunity to do what you did against Tennessee with James Cook, hell yeah, do that because that's pretty effective. All right. So uh, I think that it will be dictated by the flow of the game. I lean towards Zamir. Uh, personally, just because he said touches, and I'm thinking when he says touches, he's talking about carries. And See, to me, touches to me touches is, is anything is anything that right. is, okay. carries would mean handoffs. Yeah. Touches is okay. anything okay. because you know to, to me, I felt like James Cook had 13 touches for 147 yards, not just the 10 carries for 104. Um, Cook has been Cook's been inconsistent throughout his career, though, and so yes, I'll be, he has. I'll be, I'll, I'll be interested. Say, I will say everything that I'm saying here, based on Cook, uh, you know, it, getting more carries or excuse me, getting more touches, uh, is is entirely based on what sure. he did last week against against um, Tennessee. Now, I also think that if you're going to try and attack this Alabama defense. Think back to what they did with with DeAndre Swift in that 2018 SEC championship game. They tried to get him the ball as much as possible. Now, granted, he was probably their number one running back as well, but you know, you wanted to get him the ball in space to let him make plays. They they did the same thing with James Cook last year against Alabama. So that's the last two times that Kirby has and a Kirby Smart led team has gone up against uh, you know, Alabama and, and Nick Saban. Um, to me. I think that that, you know, those two games, if you look back at those, the running backs were very involved and it was, it was more so the dynamic running backs than it was the guys that are maybe your more ground and pound, the Elijah Holyfield, the Zamir White of the group. You saw DeAndre Swift and James Cook getting the touches. No, you're right. You're right about that. Um, my only thing too, though, and and this just kind of came to mind is I would feel a lot better about Cook's chances if, they were playing meaningful games the next two games. If they were playing two, it, it, so if he were able to keep the mojo rolling, I think that would be that would be uh, really advantageous for him because I think he's a guy. I think you saw it on Saturday. He kind of started getting the hot hand, and all of a sudden, it all just started coming together for him. I think he's a bit of a mojo guy, and um, so you know, I think it'll be interesting to see how this layoff. You know, because I just don't think you're going to see a lot of him. I think you're going to see a lot of Dejan Edwards in this game. And, uh, hell, maybe you flip Lavoisier Carroll back over from DB and give him a few handoffs while you're at it against Charleston. Are you, are you the one disrespecting Dejan Edwards now? No, 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 not at all. I think, listen, I think Dejan should be getting more work than he is. But it's going to be his game. I mean, that's just the the nature of the, the uh, depth chart. But, um as he's been called the human victory cigar. Before. Right, right. Well, and, so, and, and here's another thing that you've got to consider when you're thinking about the, the touches for either Zamir White or James Cook is, is the return of Kendall Milton, is Kenny McIntosh. Uh, those guys are, are, you know, dynamic players. Um, you know, Kenny McIntosh isn't an identical 
replica of James Cook, but but he he's able to do a lot of the same things that Cook is. Yeah, uh, yeah. Milton probably the most complete back of the group. You don't really have. I mean, you probably in terms of Zamir, you have a bruising running back, somebody that, like you said, can carry the load. Uh, you know, n- none of those other guys are really built to do that, you know, down after down after down versus, you know, maybe, you know, and, and so that, you know, might lean to more towards the advantage of Zamir White. I'll still go with James Cook, but that is very heavily influenced by the game that he just had. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I, I agree. I, I see where you're coming from. All right. Last question here. And because what would dog walk talk be if we didn't discuss quarterbacks save the best for last here? Uh, two questions. I'll combine them into one. Would you give JT the bulk of the snaps this week to keep him engaged in case he's needed down the line? And do you think we see Brock Vandegrift against Charleston Southern? How have you heard how he's been doing in practices? All right. I'm going to say hell yes. And hell yes. Those are my responses to both questions. I do, do you think give JT the bulk of the snaps. I think so. Yes. Because I think, really? I think, yes, I think so. Because he didn't play against Tennessee. He was rusty against Missouri. And that was the first action he's seen since Vanderbilt. It's been a long, long time for JT. I think that when it's, it's and little, it really didn't even get the bulk of the snaps against Vanderbilt because he played one quarter. Right. Exactly. So it's been a while since he's had the bulk of the snaps. And as he said, I think that you want to keep him engaged in case you need him moving forward. And the, the possibility is very real that you will. I mean, you saw it. Alabama's proof in the pudding, man. I mean, you saw it with Jalen Hurts and Tua. There's which a time? chance that you could see that kind of movement. With, with, I, which time? Yeah, exactly. Both. Um, so I, I think that there's a necessity to do that. And I think it makes a lot of sense to do that. Um, I think that it's good. It'll be a good opportunity for him to knock some rust off. Now, majority of the snaps, the bulk of the snaps, bulk is majority in my opinion again. And so I think he will get the majority. I think he will take the most snaps of any quarterback. I guess. So do you think that there's a chance we see 25% of the snaps go to Stetson Bennett, 50% to my math just didn't add up here, but <laughs> 25%, 25% of the snaps to as, – as I'm adding it up in my head, I was like, that's 125%. Oh, God. 25% of the snaps to Stetson Bennett, you know, or, or even, you know, 12.5% of those snaps. Sure. 50% to JT Daniels, you know, 12.5% to, to Carson Beck, or, you know, 25 before you hurt yourself, Palmer. <laughs> You're getting into half percentages. I, I, I do think that there is a chance that we see – so I, I, I agree with you. I think that we will see JT Daniels. I don't know that he gets the bulk of the snaps, though, because I think that what we've seen, and, and I guess it really depends on how the first quarter goes, because you're going you're gonna to want to get your guys out. Um, you know, d- despite what we saw this past Saturday where Kirby left some of his guys in there, uh, I think that defense, prob- the, some of those leaders on the defense probably had a lot to do with that. Uh, you know, maybe a little bit of say. Plus, they're working with a you know shorter bench in a seventy-man travel roster with eight of those guys having the flu. Um, I, I do think that you're going to see JT Daniels. I, I think that you're probably going to see Stetson Bennett in there first. I, I, I do would, too. I would absolutely be willing to guarantee that you are going to see Stetson Bennett in there first. Yeah. Uh, you know, all things considered, I think that this he has 
gone out time and time and time again and proven that this is his team the last couple of weeks, especially because you look at, you know, when, when post bye week with JT Daniels healthy, healthy enough to play, that is, you have seen Stetson take every snap against Florida, every snap against Tennessee, and, you know, most probably 50 to, you know, 60% of the snaps against, uh, against Missouri. I, I think that, you know, what we've seen is that JT Daniels is the backup to this team and, and that there is not necessarily um, any reason why you, that th- there should be an expectation for him to be getting the majority of the snaps. Again, I do think that he gets some and, and, and it might be the majority, but that would be because of what Stetson does early in this game or Georgia does as a whole early in this game to get ahead and give that opportunity to JT. I don't think that I don't think that it's any sort of situation where you're doing it to keep him engaged to, you know, maybe baby him along a little bit. I don't think that that's the case. I think that, you know, if if he gets these snaps, it's because of what the first team offense has done, because this is Stetson's team. Now, I do agree with you that you want to keep JT engaged. But I think what we've seen so far is, is that JT does a good job of keeping himself engaged by, you know, being there for Stetson every time he comes off the field, being, you know, right next to Kirby on the sidelines, calling out formations, calling out, you know, reads and stuff. And, and you know, Kirby's essentially said that JT plays the game as if he's the quarterback on the sidelines. And I think that that, you know, says a lot about JT in, in the way that he has handled this situation. But I don't think I think it also says a lot about his focus, uh, you know, in, and, and, and knowing that he may be needed uh, as far as Brock Vandergroes and, and, and Carson Beck as well. I think that you're going to see both of them. Um, what I'm interested to see is if you do get to see Brock throw the ball. Uh, and Brock actually running the offense, or if he's just going to be handing it off. I was joking with a friend today, you know, if, if I was setting the line on, on, you know, Brock Vandergriff passes in this game, it'd probably be one and a half, maybe, it, you know, just to, you know, just to make it so that it's not, is Brock going to throw the ball at all? Yeah. Uh, but, but I was close to setting it at, you know, half a pass. I, I, I don't think he does get to throw it out much because it, it's kind of become, you know, ritual for Georgia quarterbacks to, you know, wait their turn and hand the ball off and off and off and off and, you know, run out the clock in a game like this. But I, I think that in the age of these quarterbacks and, and, you know, with the guy that you've got in Brock Vandegrift, you might want to let him, you know, maybe even get some of those reps equal, if not more reps than Carson Beck, because all signs really are pointing towards Carson Beck probably being gone from this quarterback room. Uh, you know, after this season, I think that th- there's not a clear path to him being the starter, uh, you know, especially if JT Daniels and Stetson Bennett are still there. Um, I don't know a world that you see both of those guys back in, in terms of, you know, Bennett and Daniels. Uh, but but I think that the guy that probably will be there is, is Brock Vandegrift because he's he's on the younger side of things that there is, you know, looking down the road that there is an opportunity for him to be that guy, uh, you know, for, you know, a pair of seasons, two, three seasons. Um, it, it's just not going to come in his first year and probably won't come in his second year either. Um it, it, it's it's interesting though because because of the world we live in, the world of the transfer portal, uh, you've got to take these everything into consideration. Um, so, 
How, how have we, you know, have we heard much about him in practice? Kirby, we asked about him this week and Kirby gave us an update. I'm actually planning on writing a story later this week on, on some of those younger guys that, that we don't get to see much in games and, and that we probably will get to see this weekend. Um, so that is something that I'm very interested to see is, is Brock Vandegrift and Carson Beck, uh, but more so Brock because we've seen Carson a little bit more. Uh, you know, we, we got to see him lead an offense in, in the G-Day scrimmage, and we got to see him, you know, try and lead an offense earlier this season in, against UAB. Yeah, no, I agree. And look, it's for me, it's – it's Bowers or, uh, or uh, Vandegrift time. I mean, I think it's, it's time to see Brock Vandegrift. I think people are ready to see that. Um, and, um, you know, I think that it could be, it'll be, I, I think it'll be interesting to see how, how Brock, Brock performs. I, I think people have been waiting a long time to see that. I have, you know, uh, to see him at this level. I got to see him a couple of times when he was in high school, but you know, this is a different situ- situation. And um, you know, even if it is Charleston Southern, that's, that's a different level of competition than what, what you're playing in single A ball, um, yeah. uh, no matter where. So, um, you know, in terms of his development, I, I haven't really heard anything that has given me any pause or concern. Uh, I know that was part of the question as well. Um, you know, I, I think that it's a situation, though, right now where you've got two highly experienced guys battling it out for one and two and a guy behind them who's, you know, uh, been around the program for a couple of years now and um, is fighting for his own reps. So, you know, Georgia has a couple of pretty clear options. I, I just, there hasn't been a lot of necessity to turn to Brock Vandegrift yet. Uh, I don't think that that's any indication or any knock on uh, what he is able to do or what, what he does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that closes the books on this mailbag. I thought it was pretty fun. So you know, Jake, if I, like I said, I would love to open this up again, hear more from y'all uh, over the next couple of weeks uh, and, and, you know, maybe, maybe try and do this again after the uh, SEC championship in that, in that dead period between the championship and the bowl game. Well, I think we'll have plenty to talk about after the SEC championship one way or the other, for sure. Um, so uh, for me, I think that pretty much clears the docket today. Palmer, you got anything else, brother? That's all. All right. Let's wrap it up then. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this edition of Dog Walk Talk presented to you by Dogs HQ. Make sure to get us out and check us. Make sure to get out and check us out over at Dogs HQ. Uh, we would really appreciate that. Uh, we got a uh, great film breakdown from John Richt uh, from this past week uh, that we're pretty excited about. We've got some great updates coming. Um, there was a really cool story. I, I, I know I wrote it, but I thought it was a cool story about Ja'Cory Thomas yesterday. Uh, people on the board seem to enjoy that one. Uh, Jordan Davis, your story with him palmer was fantastic so a lot of good stuff going on down the stretch here and hey signing day and the sec title right around the corner so it's only gonna get more crazy for the next couple of weeks i think that's it for us today thank you guys so much for tuning in we appreciate it we'll catch you next time this has been dog walk talk